0: Thank you, Bernie and Rachel, for being here with us. Brad, thanks for bringing your friends. If that's any indication of what the concert's going to be like tonight, I think we should come. That was a whole lot of fun. Thank you for that. And the Cubs are going to the World Series. So, you know, what could be better? So, as Brad said, we are in the final week of the Future Youth series. It's our fall campaign where we kick off the fall and we, we want to set a few standards in place for the year. Uh, one is that we, as Brad has said, uh, would think afresh about how we can think about our culture and the the place in which we live, and be people that don't just survive but thrive, and, and don't just thrive but make a difference in the lives of those around us. So we want the fall campaign time, of all the times of year, to be catalytic for us to reach out and invite friends and neighbors to take steps of faith along with us in our faith journey. So I hope that that you've had opportunity to do that over the last six or seven weeks, and if not, that you would continue to look for those opportunities to reach out and invite someone in your circles to take a next step of faith. It's also an opportunity where we want everybody to have a chance to get into a small group and we're going to talk a little bit about community and the importance of it this morning. And if you've found a small group uh, for the first time this fall, good for you. We've had a lot of stories of folks who have found different communities to connect with and that's great. We love it when those connections are made and if you're still looking for that opportunity, um, I would invite you to, to go on our website, fill out that interest form and find a place where you can connect with others. This is the time of year when we make A real big deal of being sticky as a church. Not that we don't want to be sticky all year round, but if you haven't found a place to connect, do so. Uh, That's really what our heartbeat is for this series. So we're in the final week. We've been looking through the book of Daniel at the kinds of character qualities that have been demonstrated by Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach. And Abednego, things like faith, things like courage, things like humility, things like obedience that strengthened them to live in a culture that was pulling them away from everything that they had known and everything that they had represented and the God that they served. It was a strong, prevailing culture that was imposing on them, and we've seen how they've had strength to stand. When I was a 16-year-old junior in high school, I had an opportunity to go to our state's capital. I lived in Florida, so it was in Tallahassee. And we went with a whole bunch of other juniors in high school, boys, junior boys in high school, went to the state's capital, stayed on the campus of Florida State University, and spent five days learning about state government and all sorts of things. Um, and it was the first time for me, I was, I was raised in the church church. Um, From the time that I can remember, my parents had me in youth group. I was a youth group kid. Um, Some of you have come to church later seasons of life or maybe you're new to church. That's all I've ever known in my life is being immersed in the church world with other church kids. And I'd gone to church camp and spent five or six days, you know, learning about God and, and all of these things with the other kids from church. But this was vastly different than anything I had ever experienced 16 year old boy with a whole bunch of other 16 year old boys from all across the state in a totally secular setting can you imagine what that would have been like for me so we go to the first night we're all bunked in these dorms and out come the magazines and out come the conversations among all the other 16 year old guys and it just blew me away as a pretty sheltered church kid out in what was the most secular environment I had ever known in my life. Now that, that may seem silly to some of you, but I'll tell you from my perspective, it was like I was in my own personal Babylon. And I knew one other kid uh, that had been sort of a friend from church. And as the week went on, he kind of jumped right in with all the all the conversations and activities and all the extracurricular stuff that was going on with all the other guys that were on our little dorm wing. And that week presented a huge challenge for me. Of course I wanted to fit in. Of course I wanted to be accepted by these other boys that I was spending this five days with. It was not at all like the guys that are at church camp. And there was extreme pressure on me that week to conform to the prevailing culture That was around me, and I had to decide in that moment as a 16 year old kid what am I gonna do? Mike wrote a book called Future View. Many of you have read it, in which he talks about the prevailing culture around us. And and the kinds of change that we're already seeing happening in our culture and the change that we're likely to continue to see going forward. And while no one can accurately in every way predict the future, there are a couple of things that Mike pointed out that we can be fairly certain of. Change will continue and the pace is probably going to pick up faster and faster in ways that we've not experienced before. And so whatever pressures we feel in our prevailing culture today, we can expect them to Increase. And so, as that prevailing culture and the pressures increase, isolation will continue to increase. Um, A sense of need to or desire to conform will also increase. But of course, our culture isn't the only culture that's seen that, right? That's why we've been looking backwards at the book of Daniel, at the culture that these young men faced. As they were, were shipped off from their home country and everything they had known into this foreign culture. They experienced extreme pressure to conform. And pressure comes in various ways, doesn't it? And The first kind of pressure that, that we see Daniel and his friends facing was an intense form of social Pressure And and what we're going to do this morning is just kind of hit the tops of the waves of these stories that we've been immersed in over the last six weeks and and look at it with a fresh lens. And we're going to look at it through the lens of the pressure that these young men felt and the strength that they gained by being together, by the community that they experienced. So the first place we're going to take a look at the pressure they felt is in Daniel chapter 1. And it's the first time we're introduced to this scenario that these young men faced And they were taken out from from Judah into Babylon, and and they were in this indoctrination program. Mike got into detail about this several weeks ago, where they were immersed in Babylonian culture, trained in their ways, uh, sort of lured into uh, the things that the Babylonians valued. And in chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, we see this said, "...the king was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians." He assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Now, being offered food from a king's table and and the finest academic training that's possible doesn't sound all that bad, does it? In fact, it sounds pretty good. But imagine these young men who were sort of early adolescent young men in this foreign culture and they were invited to participate in all of the good things of that culture but it was in opposition to the way that they had been trained and in the convictions that they brought with them and they chose to stand against this pressure and and as we're told from the rest of the account there that that standing against and sort of saying no to the king's food put them at significant risk. Of course they didn't want to stand out Of course, they would have wanted to sort of blend in. Most of us in that situation would have wanted to sort of blend in, not draw too much attention to ourselves in this foreign culture. So the pressure that they faced would have put them at risk to go against that pressure. It also put the people around them at risk. If you know the story, uh, Daniel and his friends appealed to their supervisor that, hey, can we have a different diet than the king's food? And that put him at risk in changing their diet. Of course, if you know the story, uh, the diet worked out well, and they wound up elevated among the young men around them. But can you imagine the social pressure and, and the strength that it took for them to stand against the prevailing culture of what everyone was doing around them? And not only did they face a kind of social pressure, but, but as we know, they faced a legal pressure of an intensity that we don't know anything about. In chapter 3, verses 4 through 6... Um, we had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego coming under this command of the king. Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So not only is there sort of the social pressure to go along with what the prevailing culture was doing. There's also an intense legal pressure that brought immediate and severe consequences for nonconformity. So saying no, defying this order of the king to bow down to an idol would immediately sentence these young men to certain death in a burning furnace of fire. It also brought immediate accusation from the Babylonian government. If you know the details of this account, the first time this order came down, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were out sort of in the provinces of this vast empire. And the command was, you know, when you see the idol, everybody hears the music and and you bow down. And they said, no, we won't bow down. And so the authorities over them in their area immediately accused them of you know, defying the king's order and brought them face-to-face with the king. And so the consequences of nonconformity in this case was immediate accusation before the authorities, before the king himself, and then, of course, ultimately this sentence of death because the pressure was to worship what the prevailing culture around them worshipped. But it went even further than that. Not only did they face legal pressure to worship what the culture worshipped, they faced legal pressure to stop worshipping the God that they worshipped. And in Daniel chapter 6, we find this conspiracy against Daniel. Verse 7 tells us, The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any God or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. So here again, pressure to conform by not worshiping the God that Daniel and his friends worshiped. And once again, the sentence was immediate and certain death, this time being thrown into a den of lions that would have certainly gobbled up Daniel in just a matter of minutes and of course not only did it jeopardize his life which is sort of the ultimate sentence but in Daniel chapter 6 Daniel had been in the service of the king's court in a privileged position for some 30 years that had transpired from Daniel chapter 1 when these young men are first brought into Babylon to Daniel chapter 6 when he faces this decree from the king. So not only is his life threatened um, but also his, his position that he has uh, been honored with because of his faithfulness and because of the way that he has conducted himself in this empire. So we see this strand woven throughout these six chapters of the beginning of Daniel of increasing pressure that Daniel and his friends faced to conform to the prevailing culture around them. Now, I'm going to draw some lines to the culture that we're facing, and I don't want to presume too much here. I, I don't suspect that anytime soon you or I are going to be in danger of being thrown into a den of lions or into a burning, fiery furnace. But well, we certainly face pressures to conform to the prevailing culture around us, don't we? They faced social pressure. We absolutely face A distinct social pressure to conform to the prevailing culture around us and specifically to indulge in what the world loves. We face this pressure to love the things that the people around us love. One of them is accomplishment. In our our Western culture, one of the core sort of values in our ethos is. How much can we accomplish in our lifetime? And we put very few boundaries around what we will do to accomplish as much as we can. I was talking recently with a good friend of mine who, like many of you, is in international business. And he was talking about the culture of his business and the team meetings that are called. And and how one day is just as good as another for meetings and client meetings. So Monday through Sunday Any time is a good time to get on the phone and have a conference call with someone on the other side of the world to conduct business, to meet with clients, to accomplish more and more in his specific field. And he was talking about the wrestling match of setting some boundaries because there's a practice and a conviction in his family that Sundays we're not going to do business. And so he's had to set boundaries with his co-workers, with his clients that on Sunday, I'm sorry, that's when my family worships and steps aside from Work, And he's had to pay some prices and face some pressure in order to set those boundaries. There's absolutely pressure in our society to indulge in pursuing accomplishment without boundaries and not just in business. Those of us who are parents who have kids know that there's an intense social pressure for our kids to be as well accomplished in as many areas as they possibly can. So we have them in sports leagues and academic programs and music lessons. And we put very few boundaries around these things because of this social pressure that we feel for our kids to fit in with the rest of the kids, to excel, and to have at least the opportunity to accomplish that the other kids around them have and so we put very few boundaries around those. Travel League takes priority over everything else. Academic competition takes priority over everything else because we face this pressure, don't we? I feel it. I got five kids, I got family pressure times five. So, this is something we all Feel this is just the culture that we are in. We have this society that values accomplishment without boundaries, and there's an intense social pressure that comes with that. We also face a certain social pressure not just to indulge in what our culture loves, but to worship what our culture worships. I think if we want to get a good indicator of the kinds of things that our culture worships, we think about what television stations are dedicated to a certain thing. So we have the food network. So we can worship food 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And even if we can't eat like the food that we're seeing on TV, we can at least think about it and, and know how to make it like Bobby Flay would, you know, if we had all those ingredients. And, and I can dream and sort of live vicariously through Guy Fieri and, and think about going to all the diners, drive-ins, and dives that I could possibly, you know, get to in a year. We sort of have this fascination and this worship of food and we're dedicating whole networks to it. Or home networks. we got the DIY network and the HGTV network and every other sort of network where we can sort of fascinate ourselves with homes that are better than ours. We can think about the remodeling projects that we can do to sort of up our home and we can fascinate ourselves with that and we can essentially sort of bow down and worship the home That we live in. This is what our culture worships. And of course there's sports stations. And and stations of every sort. And we are invited. Without boundaries. To worship what our culture. Worships. And there's a certain social pressure. To do that isn't there. When I was a kid. I mentioned I was raised in a pretty. Sheltered Christian home. And I thought my family was the only family. In the universe. That didn't have cable TV we didn't have one of those boxes with the slider on top of the TV to get all the cable stations and I thought we were under intense oppression from my parents because we didn't have cable television because I felt as a kid a certain social pressure and shame to tell my friends we we don't we don't have cable you know what You you know they have a category for that. There are horrendous stories that you can read right now of the pressure that children and teenagers and even adults are facing to find acceptance and recognition on Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and any number of different social media contexts. There's The the stories of what kids and early teens are going through and the anxiety and pressure and self-damage they're inflicting on themselves because of this intense social pressure to fit in in social media is incredible. We face a social pressure to conform to our prevailing culture that's more intense probably than most of us even recognize. We've been frog in a kettled into the culture around us probably in more ways than any of us would like to think. And then there are legal pressures as well that we're facing. Any number of well-known, well-documented legal battles where there's pressure for businesses or educational institutions and churches to quiet their voice of speaking what they believe. So religious liberty, as we've known it in all of our lifetime, may well not be there for the next generation. Or even later in our own generation, the legal pressures that we see around us are likely not to go away, but instead to increase. And so there's a a pressure that we all feel because prevailing culture brings that pressure to conform and there are consequences there are prices that we pay when we choose not to conform and that's a huge challenge for us and just as we've looked through the last six weeks at the various qualities that helped Daniel and his friends to stand against the pressures that they faced. We're going to talk today about one key thread that was true for them throughout the book of Daniel that, if it's true for us as well, is a huge piece of what gives us strength to stand against any of the pressures that we face or that are amounting around us in our culture, and that is community, and specifically Christian Community. Because Christian community gives us strength to stand. And we're going to talk about how that works itself out. And we're going to go back to the book of Daniel and and take a look at at the Christian community that they enjoyed. and, And how that gave them a distinct strength to stand where alone they may not have been able to. And I want to be just be fair here. When we go to Daniel chapters 1 through 6, we don't see any verses that talk about the strength that Daniel and his friends gained from one another. Overtly, that's not a, an outright teaching that we find. But what we do find is that time and again, as they responded to the culture around them, they had one another. And they made intentional choices to lean into the strength that they provided for each other. So we see the Christian community helped them to stand together. Right there in that first chapter, when they took their stand against dining at the king's table, they didn't do it alone, they did it together. In chapter 2, and this is one of my favorite uh, passages in, in these chapters of Daniel, verses 17 and 18, we see what Daniel did before he went to the king um, to interpret the king's dream. Daniel 2, verses 17 and 18 say this. Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those were the Hebrew names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before they were changed to Babylonian names. Daniel urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. If you remember when Mike got into this story a few weeks ago, the situation is that King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that troubled him. And so he wanted someone from his kingdom, someone from among his wise men or his advisors to tell him the dream and then to interpret it. And of course, his test to those wise men was that they would be able to tell him his dream without being told what it was. And of course, they said, no one can do that. And in anger, Nebuchadnezzar said, well, off with their heads, kill them all. And so he issued a a sentence of death to all of the wise men, which included this group that Daniel and his friends were a part of that had been brought over from Israel. And so there was this edict of death, and Daniel heard about it, and he stepped forward. He requested a hearing before the king that he might pray to his God, In faith that God would reveal the dream, that he would be able to reveal it to King Nebuchadnezzar and thus not only save his own life and that of his friends, but but all of the other wise men as well. And so, what we just read was the first act that Daniel did after standing up and requesting this hearing before the king. He immediately went to his friends and they prayed together. It's easy to miss that as we're reading through this account but I love that it's tucked in there. It told us what Daniel did when the pressure was dialed up. When the pressure that was, it was threatening his very life and, and of countless people around him, what did he do? He went to his friends that he knew he could trust and they poured out their hearts together before God. But healthy community is not just having friends. It's not just being around people. Christian psychologist Henry Cloud recently wrote a book called The Power of the Other. The shocking impact that people have on you. And that's an interesting title, isn't it? That there's a power in other people and the impact that they have on us is shocking to us. And in his book, he identifies four kinds of connections between people. And it's really helpful to sort of think about the dynamics of our own relationships and our own community. And and it's interesting even to think about how Dr. Cloud's categories emerge in the book of Daniel. The first type of connection he talks about is a bad connection. So you might be the kind of individual that you're around people in your life, at home or at work or at church, but you really have little to no capacity to really connect with people. Kind of like a King Nebuchadnezzar. He sort of marches to his own drum. You don't don't get a whole lot of uh, relational intelligence there. He's kind of tone deaf and and he's around people all the time, but, but there's really no connection with people. That's not the kind of community that we're going for. There's also the connection that you can have with people around you, that's, that's a bad connection. And it's this idea that we're drawn to seek connections with people, but they really make us feel bad. We feel shame. We feel inadequate in these relationships. And we're constantly trying to get closer to people in order that we might validate ourselves or somehow measure up and we, we get caught in its community. It's a form of community, but it's an unhealthy negative community. It's almost like we see these wise men and these counselors, these satraps and prefects and all these other titles that, that these people had in the book of Daniel, They're sort of drawn to trying to validate themselves and, and, and step forward and somehow in some way find a connection. But that also would not be healthy community, what we're looking for. There's a third category called a pseudo-good connection. And it's this idea that we would pursue community with people, that, that we get validation and we get praise and we, and we do feel built up. As long as we can maintain a certain persona, as long as we can maintain a certain standard, then, then someone will give us what we want in that relationship. And we see something like this show up. We haven't referred to it yet this morning. But in Daniel chapter 5, Belshazzar, who is the king, who is Nebuchadnezzar's son. And if you remember that story, he invited Daniel to come in to interpret the handwriting that was on the wall. And in response, Belshazzar offered all of these gifts and all of this praise and adulation to Daniel for essentially performing by interpreting the handwriting on the wall. And it's, it's sort of a picture of this kind of connection that we sometimes pursue we 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 want to perform to receive this strong connection we feel this pressure to maintain it all of these cases are being around people it's experiencing some form of community but what we're really looking for is what Dr. Cloud would call this healthy good community and it's what we see with Daniel and his friends it's where we can come with honesty with transparency with no pretense we can be who we are We can reveal our struggles. We can ask for help in a way that Daniel did with his friends. Daniel could have gone to his friends and they smacked him around and said, are you crazy? You just said you were going to go before the king and interpret the dream. You're going to get us all killed. But that wasn't the community that he had with his friends, was it? No, they they got together and without hesitation, they carried one another's burdens. They prayed and in the rest of the story is that God did reveal the dream and Daniel, of course, stood before the king, accurately interpreted the dream, saving the life not only of him and his friends but of all of the, the pagan wise men around them as well. They found strength. Christian community helped them to stand together. Just a few months ago, my family went and, and visited some friends in a place where we used to live. And the time that we lived there was not a great time in our family history, at least for me. I, the, the time that we lived there, most of my memories are negative. Um, with, with my role at work and, and with just sort of the fit in the community and, and the dynamics there, uh, we just, you know, it just wasn't a great season of life for us, And yet we went back to visit some friends and, and we actually wound up connecting with some folks who were in a small group that we were a part of in the church that we attended when we lived there. And as we're, we're sort of reconnecting with these folks and, you know, talking about the kids and they'd grown up and, and having conversation, I find myself thinking, it's been seven, eight years since I've had any contact with any of these people and it's, it's like that time was nothing. We just sort of went right back to the kind of friendship and conversation and ease of relationship that we had then. And it impressed something on me that I had totally missed, is that we were a part of a community in a difficult season, and we were getting strength that we didn't even recognize. And I wonder if that's true for you, that, that if you were to reflect on your life, you might remember times Where there were people around you giving you strength to stand together and you didn't even realize that it was happening. And what it made me wonder is, where is that happening now in my life? Where am I receiving strength to stand with the people around me that I'm not even appreciating at this moment? And I would invite you to sort of reflect on that as well. It's an interesting Um, Sort of train of thought to begin thinking, where where am I receiving a strength from community and the people around me that that I don't even even recognize? By way of practical application on this, if you are in a community, if you're in a a formal small group or just a group of friends that sort of you're, you're doing life together, you tend to spend time together and have authentic conversations, don't take that for granted. Stay committed to that. Keep keep making the intentional choice to create space for those kinds of relationships. And if you don't have that kind of connection with people, like I said at the beginning, take some time to pursue it. Um, One of the values we have at Christ Church is we want to do everything that we can to help you find a community of people that can help you stand together. Facing whatever pressures that we face in our lives. You can go online. Christchurchil.org, find a small group and we can sort of help you make that connection. But not only does Christian community help us stand together, Christian community helps us stand alone. And we find this in a couple of different places um, in the book of Daniel. One, where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced the fiery furnace, Daniel was nowhere to be seen. Daniel was sort of their leader. And yet he wasn't in this account. They stood apart from Daniel, faced the fiery furnace um, and stood against those pressures. But in Daniel chapter 6, we see it with Daniel. And and Daniel had received this decree not to worship the God uh, that he followed. And we see this decree coming down in Daniel 6 verse 10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. So here we see Daniel. He's not in community with his friends. But the strength that he had gleaned from them strengthened him to stand alone. And no doubt there are times in our lives where we're not among those friends that give us strength. We're facing pressures alone. But the investment that we've made, the gift of strength that we've received, can be what we need, can be what is the missing link for us not to stumble, not to fall, not to fall away under the pressures that we're feeling. And the last thing I want to say about community, and this to me has been the most profound um, truth that has emerged for me, is that Christian community, as great as it is in our experience of the people around us, when when we're able to have that healthy, good connection, Ultimately, Christian community is about community with God. And one of the most profound scenes in the book of Daniel is the scene in the fiery furnace where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had been sentenced to death. And when King Nebuchadnezzar looked down into that furnace, this is what he saw. The king said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. When Mike taught on this passage a few weeks ago, he pointed out that most biblical scholars, theologians, believe that that fourth person in the fire was none other than Jesus Christ himself. The Son of God, before he came to earth as a baby to live and to die, it was was a pre-incarnate expression of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, in community, in the literal fire, standing alongside Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it's this truth that when we experience community, ultimately, it's community with God that gives us strength to stand. And when we look back and we have this lens through Daniel 1 through 6, we see that Daniel, even though his name is on the cover, is not really the main character Of these chapters. It's not Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego. It's not King Nebuchadnezzar or King Belshazzar or anything else. The main mover and shaker, the main character is God. And so when these young men chose not to conform to the prevailing culture around them, we see in Daniel chapter 1 that God gave them knowledge and understanding to represent his kingdom among the powers of the world. When they prayed for knowledge of the king's dream, We see in Daniel 2 that God revealed the mystery of Nebuchadnezzar's vision and showed Daniel what would happen in the days to come. When they walked out of the burning furnace, the king said praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. That's in Daniel chapter 3. When King Nebuchadnezzar lost his mind and lost his kingdom. In Daniel chapter four, Daniel said to the king, you will not be restored until you acknowledge that the most high God is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. In Daniel five, when the handwriting was on the wall for King Belshazzar, Daniel said, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. And when Daniel woke up with the lions, he told the king, God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. Our ultimate need for community, our ultimate need for connection, is a connection with God. As great as Christian community is among friends, what we need more than anything is a connection with God where we can bring our whole self to him. Ask him for help. Rely on him for strength. That's the true community that will help us stand against the prevailing culture and the pressures to conform. So as a 16-year-old junior in high school, in my own personal Babylon, I remember the first night that I'm laying in the bed in the dorm room And I'm hearing these conversations go on around me. And I opened up my Bible that I had brought. And it stands out still in my memory vividly as the first time in my life. Now, I had been brought up in the church. I had memorized Bible verses from the time that I could remember. Been in church every time the doors were open. All of that. It was the first time in my life that I can remember feeling tangibly the presence of God. And there's only a handful of those times that I could even articulate to you in my life. But that absolutely was one, and maybe the one that stands above any other to this day. I felt the presence of God as I turned, opened his word, and just opened it up for anything that I could grasp onto. But it was him. It was community with God that gave me strength, stand in in the way that I needed to in that moment it's God that will give you the strength to stand in the way that you need to whatever that you're facing so let's lean into him and you know sometimes we need the pressure in order to feel his presence and so let's look for opportunities to respond to the pressures around us by seeking the presence of God let's pray Lord, it is you that we need. And so I pray that you would reveal yourself to us. We're at all sorts of different places in our lives in this room. So Lord, for some, I pray that you would open up an opportunity to have connections with friends and others that would give us strength that we lack. For others of us, uh, Lord, help us to deepen the connections that we already have or be more willing to give ourselves to those connections. But wherever we are, Lord, I pray that you would make yourself real to each one of us, draw us to you, that we would experience a relationship and a connection and community with you to give us strength to stand. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen.